Hey everybody, you hear that? Sounds like tea time. And we are back at the island, and this is Vanita. CT in the house. Hey, and BJ's here. Hey y'all, how are y'all doing? Great. We're fantastic. Excellent, it's so good to be back at the island. And guess what y'all? What? Guess who's still here? Who? Chris! You're not going to get rid of me yet. <laughs> We're going to cancel your flight. You can't go back. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so Chris stayed an extra week, and we are so happy that he has come to the island again to hang out with us divas. It's yeah. fun being doing this whole guest host gig, so <laughs> You do know you don't get paid for this, right? Wait, that's not what you told me. <laughs> No pain. Maybe snacks. Movie snacks. Okay. I From can... the dollar store. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, we're going to spend a lot of dollars then. <laughs> I think he made out like a band and he has a bunch of snacks that's yeah. been brought to him. <laughs> yes. That he can take to the airport. But before you go, we're going we gonna to eat some of those snacks tonight. We are. Maybe we, are. we can watch a movie with you and have some too. Exactly. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> they don't start watching movies till 10 p.m. Oh. at night. That's when they start watching oh. movies. That is true. That's my husband's curfew. Make, make it up for <laughs> my, my California time. I'm two hours behind, so it's only 8 o'clock for me. That's true. That is true. So uh, let's get straight to Talk of the Island. Talk of the Island. What's been going on, y'all, since the last time we saw each other, which has only been a week? I was going to say a week. Yeah, it hasn't been very long. No, just a week. But um, it's Women's History Month, and we're going to get into that later, but that is one of the reasons why we are going to meet a little more often than normal this month of March. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, I guess everybody wants to... Everybody's looking at me, if you guys, that's on the podcast. <laughs> and I specifically asked to go last, but I'm seeing that I'm going first. So what has happened since the last time I, we were together? I started premarital counseling with this couple out of California. Okay. Because, you know, that's my gig on the side, is uh, counseling. And I'm so excited. I love doing premarital counseling. Okay. So we have seven sessions, and they're now on their second session okay and it's going very very well so i would like to just encourage anyone out there that's about to get married or that even is considering getting married do pre-marital counseling first okay. because you will uncover and unearth all the different differences that you have and then you have a third party sitting there to help you resolve those things before you get married because yeah. a lot of times mm -hmm. couples get married then they want to once they get married they try to resolve the issues within themselves mm -hmm. between themselves and it's so difficult to do that okay so this couple they're not like young young but this is their first marriage oh. mm -hmm. and they're in their 40s yes <laughs> so that, I'm excited. So there's hope for for people that there is hope. I mean, there's hope for everybody. I mean, look what you know, Beverly in got married. Seventies and got married. Got married. Yeah, first good. time in her seventies. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yes. So that's my that's what my takeaway is from from the last time that we were here. Okay. Is that I started premarital counseling with this couple, and I'm ex so excited for them and so happy for them because this is their first marriage and they're in their forties. Cool. Awesome. That's awesome. To hear. Awesome. That is. Well, not much has happened to us since I last saw you guys. Everything's rolling good. Mom had a procedure, a biopsy, as a matter of fact. And so we're just grateful for that. And I'll yes. be sharing that in uh, yes. attitude of gratitude. But okay. Everything's going pretty well. That's good. Yeah, That's nothing good. exciting. Not just same old, same old. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know for me, um, midweek, I think it was Wednesday, um, I got this notification on my cell phone that the state of Texas was going to be opening up 100%. And I was like doing a double take to my cell phone. I'm like, What? And sure enough, the governor of Texas, Abbott, says mm -hmm. that he wants to, or he's going to, open the state up. No mask mandate will be no more. And um, that is not going to work for me. Um, I am definitely still going to wear my mask, even though um, I've been vaccinated. It's still, I, I think it's premature. Yeah. The numbers are going down, yes, but you, you got to wait. 
there has to be a steadiness of the numbers going down um, for me um, as far as I'm concerned. What were you going to say, Cheryl? I, I, I'm thinking because when they say 100% occupancy, you know, can you mm-hmm. imagine, you know, when the Spurs play and everybody shows up and fills up the arena <laughs> and they do not have to wear masks because that's not a requirement. Can you imagine what that would be like? And we're still, and Texas is actually last in the country for vaccinations out of the 50 states. We are the lowest rate ranked one as far as how many people have gotten vaccinated per population. So I just just think it's it's premature, just like Vanita said. Because I can't imagine, and and a lot of places like the NBA Spurs, they're Mm -hmm. saying, hey, we're not going to open fully all the way up. And we're still going to require people to wear masks. Mm-hmm. And even the grocery store, they're going to put it as you, you have to wear the mask, but they're not going to enforce it because they don't want to fight with their clients, you know. Yeah. It just made it easier when the mandate was there. Well, I think we need the mandate. I'm disappointed in this governor uh, for putting us in jeopardy. Uh, I think it's disrespectful to his constituents. I think that those who don't wear masks are not considering other people around them. And so I'm just real disappointed. And I, it's scary. It's scary. It is. Like I said, I think it's just premature. You know, I think he's just counting his chickens before they hatch. It's just too soon. I mean, yes, the numbers are going down. And that's because people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But, go ahead, Beverly. The other thing I was thinking about is it's getting ready to be spring break. Yes. So is it really that you just want to open it up or you just really want businesses to make money? And I understand people are laid off, especially in the food industry and, you know, the restaurant business. But I just think we're taking a terrible chance uh, at putting people in jeopardy. Yes. But just think about it. It's spring break. He's tired of those business owners whining to him that they aren't able to stay open and they can't do business and they can't make money. So he's tossing our lives to the side so that he can stop these people from complaining and make a little, and everybody can make a little money. But making money and then you or your family is dead is a big, a big chance to take. Yeah, I mean, I this seems like hopefully an opportunity that like the city governments will take to step in and say, okay, even though the governor is lifting the ban, like at least at the city level, they can say, we're going to institute it here. I mean, obviously they can't force it with neighboring cities, but I feel like that's like the next step down. If, if the governor's not going to do it, then hopefully your guys' mayors or counties are going to do it at that level uh, to well, keep you safe locally. Well, I think that here in San Antonio, I can't see our mayor going along with that with the March Madness beginning, mm-hmm. and we are to host 64 college and universities for the NAACP Final Four, Women's Final Four. That is mm-hmm. not going to happen. I, I just well, don't well, see it our, happening. Our local governments can only recommend it. They can't mm-hmm. usurp the authority of the, the governor. governor. Right. So that's the issue. Oh, so even if they lift right. that, they even, can't come in and say, well, no. here you have to. Oh, they, well. can't. they can say it, but it's only a recommendation. They can only recommend point. it. They can't enforce it because it's at the government government okay. level, the governor's level that have made the mandate for the entire state uh, be lifted. So that that's the thing the city, local uh, people are starting to try to figure out, like our mayor and our county judge, they are recommending it uh, that we keep the mask on, but they cannot enforce it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to really pay attention to how that's going to work with this March Madness Final Four um, hosting, because the city agreed with the organization NAA, not NAA, NCAA, um, that they will make sure that things are in place for the safety of the fans, which there are only going to be a few, with mm-hmm. all the students, mm-hmm. coaches, trainers, and all of that. That's 64 schools, y'all. So this is what they said, the beginning of the NCAA tournament, they are only going to allow the family members of the players. I get that. Mm. That's it. Now, I'm not sure once they get down to the Sweet 16, the Elite elite 8, the Final Final Four, four, how large those crowds are going to be. I don't know what that is, but 
for, at the very beginning, it's the '64 is only family, and uh, they right. are using mm-hmm. different venues, different yes. sports yeah, venues. Yeah, there's going to be four, four, four venues, I think. That yeah. Oh, okay. Used. So yeah. they can spread everyone out. Yeah, least. they can spread yeah. out a little. But the yeah. thing is, again, these students are going to be housed in hotels, and if you're bringing your students into hotels. And let's just say, you know, people that are out there helping with luggage, nobody's wearing their mask, they don't have to. I, I'm just, I'm just concerned about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I'm such a fan yeah. of women's sports or sports in general. And, and I just can't believe this because you guys that's listened to this podcast, Benita goes every year to the NCAA Women's Final Four and yes. it's being hosted in her hometown. Yeah. And she is not attending along with Maury, her best friend. That is their annual trip. Wherever the, the NCAA the women's <laughs> final is, that's yes. they're there. Yes. And it's in San Antonio and Maury's not coming to town. No. And, and so we were so excited that it was going to be here because we didn't have to pay for a hotel yeah. or rent a vehicle like mm-hmm. we normally do. Because we yeah. normally go no matter where it is. No matter what. No, every year it's somewhere different. Mm-hmm. And we always go. And we're a frequent flyer with the um, NCAA as far as tickets. Okay. Uh, so every year they say it's time for you to get your tickets. Here's how much they're going to cost. You know, this is the city, mm-hmm. here's the list of hotels, blah, 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 blah. So we were excited that it was going to be here. But, you know, now it's just like, what's going to happen? I know. I'm so, I'm bummed about this. I really am. I know. And I know more is like, man, I could have came to San Antonio and hung out with you for the final four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's just hope they'll all be safe. Yes. Yes. So, um, with that being said, y'all, Chris, you got something else you wanted to add, I can tell. (laughs) Well, I mean, as far as what's different for me, like, I'm, you know, I got to, I got to work all week, so I'm working remote from my remote working spot in California, (laughs) so, um, I mean, I've, I've been blessed with the job, I work in the tech industry, so I can work from home and, and all of that, so it's been a different experience, kind of being on vacation, but also kind of working, so, um, it's nice, because I got to extend my trip. Uh, here with you guys to see you guys without having to burn up vacation time at work. So I got to split the difference. So that's been really nice. Other than that, nothing exciting because I've been working. So Yeah. Yeah. We did get to watch a movie together. Oh, yeah. No, we watched uh, The United States versus Billie Holiday. Yes. Um, yes, we did. That was really How was interesting. That? It was really interesting. Um, I only had a very shallow understanding of like the history around Billie Holiday. So it was very eye opening. Um, I didn't really have a big understanding of like her role like in the early civil rights movement and all mm-hmm. that. So I just kind of knew her as a, um, you know, jazz singer during the the forties, mm-hmm. um, and that was about it. So it was interesting seeing her history. Is interesting seeing the impact and the history around her song "Strange Fruit." Um, yes, it was, it was a really good movie. Really yeah. good movie. Yeah, I actually learned some things from that movie also. But she won the Golden Globe uh, for Best Actress two days later after that movie premiered. So they always say when that happens, that's kind of how it's going to be for the Oscars. So the lead, who was the lead in the movie? Andre Day. Andre Day, yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, Andre Day won the Best Actress for Golden Globes. And I love her voice. And, oh, and yes. you know, they did an interview with her and the, the director mm-hmm. of that movie and she wasn't his first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Right? Wow. She was not his first choice. Matter of fact, somebody kept bringing her name up. Um, and so she decided, he decided to give her op- the, the, the option to um, audition. audition for it. And she did and he, he just knew, okay, she's the one. She's the one. So it must be a good movie and you guys recommend it? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend it. It's on Hulu. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. It, it will take you through a emotional journey, so mm-hmm. be prepared. But it's eye opening. It was for me. I didn't know, like Chris, I did not know all of that history, um, around her song "Strange Fruit." Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a song for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I think the government started to really, you know kind of sort of go after her after that song was done you have to and see I'll just movie. add it yeah. I haven't seen the movie but they didn't kind of sort of thank they you did. <laughs> thank you I, I, I didn't want it I don't want to yeah. give any of the movie I don't want to give it away yeah. I haven't seen it but yeah. I, but you know more I, I know because you know I love music I, I follow jazz artists mm-hmm. uh, but they went after her yes the yeah. FBI okay shh 
And that's Sharp. what just telling it's not the my truth dad's of what's, you know, the truth of what was happening to yeah. people. That's you you're right. Know? Just yeah. for telling the truth. Just for telling the truth. And a lot of times they don't didn't want the truth to get out, but nowadays because of the cell phone and videos and and TikTok and everything else, you can yeah. capture stuff and put it out there on Twitter, mm-hmm. on Instagram, you know, YouTube. It's immediate consumption for everybody around the world to see. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think back then they didn't want that kind of information to be exposed, you know. Exactly. That what was really happening to people. Yes. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's crazy. So, with it being Women's History Month, um, I would like to just do a shout-out to Billie Holiday, who's up in heaven, mm-hmm. um, for standing up for what she believed in. I mean, she went through a lot just in her own personal life, but she still was steadfast in what she was trying to do. Um, but I'm telling you, drugs is... <laughs> yeah, that, yes. was, that was rough to see, like, the... The transition they showed in her, like, emotionally, mentally, and physically over, like, the years they depicted in the movie of the toll the drugs was taking on her. Like, that was just wild to see. It was. It was. Drugs will age you. Yeah. Big time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you don't appreciate how... They can just destroy you, and no matter how talented you are, like, it will, it will pull you down. And no matter how much control you think you have... Yeah. It takes over. Yeah. I, I'm always baffled by people that get hooked on drugs and I think lose what, control. But people forget they do make you feel good for a minute. And I'm not speaking like I have a lot of experience. I hope not. Like, everything That's I read. That's what like to me. It's, not, it, it's good to you, but it's not good for you. For you, yeah. So when something's, you know, it's like us eating, well, me eating candy or cookies or cakes. It's hard to stop. It's an addiction and it yes. is actually an illness. Once you take certain drugs will trigger something within your brain that you can't shut off. Yeah. Uh, and once that trigger happens, it's so difficult to control it. Uh, just like people that are, you know, Alcoholic Anonymous, that's, that's you know, in AA, it's, it's a constant battle. Mm-hmm. It's like an everyday thing for them. It's not just, oh, okay, I don't, I don't drink anymore. And some people can cut cold turkey, but some people cannot mm-hmm. because it's an addiction, you know. Just like with the opioid drug addiction that, that they mm-hmm. have now, crisis we have, it's an addiction because once you take certain certain medication or certain drugs, it triggers something in the brain that is never ever can be shut off. You then have really you can't shut it. It's you a have, battle you have to fight. It's a battle you have to fight constantly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think the other interesting thing too is because you see this a lot with um, celebrities, performers, and and whatnot that what drives them to drug use some a lot of times I feel like is what makes them such great so great at like their craft like you know their experiences their traumas in the past that makes them passionate about their music or being an actor or being a comedian they have to kind of like treat the hurt from that with drugs or alcohol and it's mm. it, it, you know it's it's really hard to see because you see talented people getting dragged down by it but it's also like kind of getting a glimpse into that both sides of that coin, what makes them really good at what they do can also be the, the door to open them and getting into to drugs. Hmm. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like the drug puts them in some sort of creative zone. I don't want to yeah. give drugs credit, but yeah, you know, when I think about Miles Davis. That's who I was thinking yeah, about too. <laughs> that's my guy. I mean, ooh, that just overpowered his life. Yeah. Drugs. Wow. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah, that's just one of those things I will never understand mm-hmm. um, about drugs. I've never taken drugs. I've never had the desire to to take drugs or even experiment. Or, but I just don't. I, I'm one of those that doesn't understand addictions. Although I should because I love fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm addicted to sugar. You give me a piece of cake, it's on. Yeah, I'm not sure. Me too. Some cookies. I've, I've never made a cookie I didn't like. So. <laughs> yeah, they're all type of addictions, you know. So everybody has a you know some type of issue. And, right. Uh, but drug addiction is is very hardcore. It affects everybody around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
So with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we have a special guest coming up in our next segment. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the island. And in celebration of Women's History Month, we have the distinct, and I mean distinct pleasure, of presenting the mayor of Live Oak, Texas. She was born in Mississippi, y'all. But like me, she's a military brat living all over the world, okay? So we were in Germany at the same time as little girls, and we were talking about this earlier, and we probably ran into each other in a toy department on one of those bases over there, so. That's kind of cool. It's a small world, y'all, small world. So fast forward to 2010, she became the first African-American mayor of Live Oak, Texas. Woo-hoo! That's awesome. And, and she has made great strides and accomplishments. Um, she doesn't believe in giving up and is determined to give it her all for the people of Live Oak. So we actually met on a blind date, and she may want to elaborate on that later. Um, <laughs> And when we met, we talked for hours in Central Market, and it was like we knew each other for years. It was amazing. Um, she, she is one of the most down-to-earth people I have ever met, y'all. So, but not only that, she is a child of God and is always, always striving to do God's will. There's so much more that I could say about her, but she doesn't like to be fussed over. Um, but what I'd really like to say is I consider her a friend. And without further ado, I would like to introduce our listeners to the Honorable Mayor, Mary Dennis. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Yay! Thank you, thank you. Thank you we so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, um, to do this interview. Well, I was very excited and it's absolute pleasure to be amongst friends. And so thank you all for the invitation. And a quick side note. So I texted her and I was like, hey, how you doing? And we do that every now and then. Hey, how you doing? She's like, I'm doing good. And I was like, okay. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to fill her out to see if she's real busy, right? I was waiting for her to come back like, I'm real busy and I'm doing this. She's like, everything's cool. And I was like, okay, let me stop beating around the bush. Would you come to the island? <laughs> <laughs> And what it was say, an absolute joy. And I was like, in my spirit, I was thinking, I think that she wants to ask me to come do something. <laughs> I wasn't sure what, but so it worked out perfectly. Just really glad to be here. I listen to you guys a lot. Sometimes just laying in bed, just needing to hear some good news and some joyful voices. So I really appreciate the program that you guys have been doing. It's really been uplifting and a joy for me. So I'm just super excited to be here today. Thank you. Awesome. We are so honored to have you here today. And I know I live in San Antonio, but I love the mayor of Live Oak. <laughs> we love you, Mayor Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Cheryl, I, I was so excited when I was like, oh, man, I get to see Cheryl. I hadn't seen you in a long time. So it's, it's really great, great, great to be with you. Yes, glad to have you. Well, I do have a question for you. Since you are the first African-American mayor in Live Oak, what inspired you to run for mayor? Wow, that's a good question. It's been so long. I have to like think back. Why Why did I do this now? <laughs> but uh, overall, it's been a great experience. I've been mayor since two, uh, 2010. I'm on, in my fifth term now. I've been un, unopposed. I ran that first time and then I ran one other time. The first time I ran, I lost the, I didn't lose, but it was a tie. And then I ran and then I, I won the, the, the uh, runoff. Then I ran two years later and that time I won by 72% of the vote. 
So I haven't had an election uh, in a long time. Uh, everybody teases me. They're like, no, don't run against her. Don't go run against her. And I was like, either I'm doing a good job or they just let the crazy lady do it. So I'm not really sure which it is. But That does say something about perseverance because you did try again. And look, now you've been a mayor there for five terms. Yes, for sure it is. But what really started my journey was when I moved to this house 25 years ago, my street was unpaved. It was one of the last gravel roads in Live Oak. And so my neighbor said, well, as soon as you get unpacked, why don't we go down to City Hall and see about getting the road paved? And I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> right on that. <laughs> so, but I really bought the house because I like the paved road because it reminded me of Mississippi. <laughs> and my grandma's house. But I didn't want to tell him. So anyway, we went down to City Hall. Long story short, we got the road paved. And while I was there, somebody said, well, would you be interested in serving on one of our boards? And I did that for a few years, learned a lot about how the city works. And then somebody said, well, would you run for, uh, you know, consider running for council? So I ran for city council, lost my first city council race by 25, went home about nine months later, the council appointed me to finish off a term about 18 months. I ran again for council second time, lost again, this time by two votes. Wow. Uh, and I was, I was fine. I went home, true story. I lost by two votes, came home. They called, they had one council meeting, a council person resigned uh, the first meeting and they appointed me to finish the two years for that. So minus the one meeting that I missed, but um I, I always say I'm the poster child for what is yours, what God has for you, it is for you. Nobody can take it away. It doesn't matter what it looks like, what it looks like. <laughs> it does, none of that matters because what God has for you is for you. And that's why you never have to fight anybody about anything because what God has for you, no, no one can take it. You, he, he has what's for you. And I, I am uh, just a living example that if you trust and believe in God, have faith, do the things that you have to do because you have a responsibility too, that he will take care of the rest. Awesome. I remember you sharing that testimony about losing by two votes. And it, it also made me think about that every vote counts. And it's so important for us to exercise you know, our political right, and that is to vote. So very true. And that that's another thing. I'm a big proponent. You know, every vote does count. And I'm a living witness that that is true. But your your vote, your vote does matter. And so you've got to get out that chair, not, just getting registered. That's good. Uh, saying you're going to vote. That's good. But you've got to get up and take yourself to the poll to make your make your vote, your vote count for sure. Well, awesome. Mayor Mary, I'm excited that you're here. Um, and this is just awesome because we run into each other in different places, but it's awesome to have you on the podcast. And when you were talking about, uh, you know, losing by two, but you really didn't lose because you won, you got the experience. And like you said, it's something we talk about on the podcast all the time. Everybody has, you got to vote for everybody, not just the president. So we're excited that you're the mayor of Live Oak and you're on our podcast. So I have a question for you. Who was your role model? Who, what made, who made you want to be in politics and push so hard the way you do? Well, Beverly, I appreciate the question. I uh, really never consider myself, even now, a politician. I, I really shy away from the term. I really hope and consider and hope that I, I've shown a public service is really what I, I like to, to identify myself as, as a public servant. And uh, I never intended at all to do that because some of you may or may not know by trade, I am a licensed mortician. And so totally a different, you know, spectrums of, yeah. you know, government, you know, taking care of families during the very difficult time of, of loss. But I, the, the central theme for me has always been people about serving people. And this is a weird story, but it's a true story. I remember my dad was stationed in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and we lived in a little trailer park in Spring Lake. And I was playing with my Barbie dolls down on the ground and just, you know, just playing with my Barbie dolls. And something like came to my mind, like your life is going to be about service. And of course, at nine years old, I had no idea what that meant. But as I, you know, have gone through this journey and, and on this journey, that everything, no matter the title of my 15 jobs, no matter what it is, it's always about serving people, about serving others. And so that was probably the inspiration that I could say. And the person that 
have so many wonderful people that have made such a great influence in my life. But one of the persons that really kind of pushed me when saw when I was like, no, I don't really want to do do this was uh, was my mom, of course, and in my mother-in-law too. Uh, she was very instrumental, and I think kind of propelling me to to get beyond myself and kind of come out of my shell because I was a very quiet, very shy person. I know it's hard to tell, but uh, no. <laughs> I never I never even talked. People see me from high school and they say you talk. I say. <laughs> <laughs> But your voice is important, and I encourage young women, use your voice. Your voice is important. You should be heard, so please make sure you use your voice. Well, that's awesome, and I'm glad that you are a servant, and we just wish more elected officials, I'll say, would stop being politicians and be more of a servant, because you can see the benefit in Live Oak and the way Live Oak has grown and how it's prospering, so... I'm excited and I'm glad you had a role model because you're awesome. You're very kind, but, but thank you. I mean, I'm inspired by so many women. I'm inspired by you guys. I mean, doing the podcast, that's really cool. I, I don't think I could ever do that. So I think we all have our place and our place is a good place. And if we get in that place, work our garden, and then all together, we'll, we'll just make this, this world, world good and better for others. Yeah, that is True. And so you mentioned um, having more than one job. You said 14. And when we first met and we talked, um, I joked around and said, you know, once I was, you know, while I was getting to know you, I was like, it's not like you got about 17 jobs. Are you Jamaican? And I know that's a horrible joke, but, you know, out of all the things that you've done, which is the most challenging thing that you do or have done and what's been the most fun? Wow, that that's a really great question. And the answer is probably going to be the same for both for both of those questions, because since it's centered around people, you know, that is always the the biggest challenge is trying to manage personalities. And and I have a council of five and uh, I have a great council. You know, it's they have been wonderful, but managing those five personalities and they're five men. I'm the only girl on the dais. So I I. I'm surrounded by men normally in my job as as mayor because generally I'm usually the only African American in the room as you all you know you experience this in the world excuse me and then usually the only female so that's you know just something that I deal with I actually own it I I really do I love it that's good but I think that the joy for me is is serving the people and and and, you know, sometimes it's just tough days, but it's part of the journey. But mm-hmm. I'm, to me, it's always an opportunity. And just today was a perfect example. A couple calls me that lives here in Live Oak, and they said, we want to thank you so much. We're dr- able to drive down Pat Booker and get something to eat. We've been here for 40 years, and we remember there was nothing on Pat Booker to, ru- to eat. A lady calls me about 10 minutes later, and she says, I just have so many problems here. I'm going to sell my house and move. Of course, I have to listen to her for 45 minutes, you know, but that's what I do. And so, and I think that that's the thing about people. If you just give them opportunity to feel like they've been heard. I never said I could do anything for her, but she said, well, thank you for taking time to listen to me. So I'm hoping she won't sell her house and she'll be okay. But I think that that's the thing with people is they just want a, a place that they can be heard. Just to just to be heard. You maybe can't solve the problem, but just you taking time to 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 hear to hear me. Awesome. I I totally believe in that because I do professional counseling also, and that's what I find most of my clients. They just want to be heard. You know, they just want to be heard. So speaking of hearing and speaking of maybe listening and speaking of maybe sitting down and having a conversation with someone, if you could have lunch with any African-American woman, dead or alive, who would that be and why? Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a good question there, Cheryl, a very a powerful one. I have no doubt, though, that that woman would be my mother-in-law, uh, Sammy L. Dennis. And I know you guys have probably, if you know me at all, have heard me say, say her name. Uh, hardly a day goes by that I don't think about her. But she was the most incredible human being, woman, 
person that you could ever, ever meet. She, I always would tell her, I said, mother, I called her mother. I said, God sent me to you so that you could help me be the person that I needed to be. And she was just so loving, so kind, so patient. And she just taught me about life, about being a woman, about being a wife, about being a mother. And I just, uh, my, I, I owe so very much to to her. She taught me about God. She taught me how to shop, how to save money, how to spend money. Sometimes I was like, could you not go around my mother? You just spent it. <laughs> well, I have a question for you, Mary. Are okay. You see. Mayor? Oh, no, please. Mary, guys, Mary. Uh, I'll always be Mary. <laughs> it's, it may be a little sticky or tough, but I know you will handle it. Have you ever been racially profiled as a mayor or at, as a citizen? Oh, wow. Um, I, I, uh, I can answer that question. Uh, honestly, I cannot ever say that I have been racially profiled that I know of as being the mayor of the city of Live Oak. And I have been blessed to be able to serve around the country and throughout the state, but I've never, in my experience, if it happened, I didn't know. But as uh, uh, as I was introduced as being, you know, from Mississippi, mm -hmm. that I remember very distinctly because even though my dad was in the military, we always spent the summers in Mississippi. And so we're from a very small town, maybe about an hour from Jackson, Newton, and Decatur, Mississippi. And I remember a Beverly uh, there one summer and I wanted to go skating. There was a skating ring and I was like, mom, can I go skating? And she just kept giving excuses. And I guess I just wore down. And finally she said, baby, you cannot go to that skating ring because you are black. And I was like, what? And I just had never heard that because on the military base, we were, as far as I knew, we were all treated the same. You know, we went to the same rec centers and we bowled and skated together. So that was, a, that was, you know, it was just kind of mind boggling. And then when I began to understand is I would go back as a, you know, a older girl, young girl still there. When I couldn't go into the theater, we had to go upstairs to watch the movies. And uh, we couldn't go inside of the restaurant. We had to go around. We would get order in the front, but we'd have to go in the back to get our burgers. And that was so baffling to me. But uh, and, it, and it wasn't done. I don't know if it and maybe because I was a young kid, it didn't seem malicious because all of my cousins and everybody, that's what we all did. You know, it was just it was like a normal way of life. But I remember one time, Beverly, I went my daughter, who's now in her 40s. She was maybe about three and she got sick while we were down there and I took her to the doctor. And still, they still had the separate offices for the doc, you know, the doctor's office was separated. And I was, you know, by then this was all like the 80s, you know, it was very, I was like, this is now, you know, as an adult, I was like, this is disgusting, you know, wow. this is not acceptable. But when I came back to complain to the NAACP, say, they said because there was no sign that said, colored on one side and white on the other, that it was not illegal, but it was still a practice that was going on there uh, in the small town in, in Mississippi. Wow, what an experience. In the 80s. Yeah, I won't tell you what I did because it was really bad. <laughs> but <laughs> they knew I did leave, but they knew I'd been there, uh, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think, yeah. I'll ask a quick question. Uh, do you think that had any impact on some of the goals that you had going forward, especially now or say before now in 2010, did that have any impact on the goals that you had? I think so. One thing that I, I was I very blessed with my parents, my dad always said to me, you can do anything. So I was never afraid, you know, to try or to do anything. But I remember him saying to me as a young girl, he said, um, you have two strikes against you. He said, you're black and you're female. He said, but that's not bad. He said, that just means you got to work harder and you have to be smarter. So I always took that as a challenge. So it didn't matter what it was. If I was in charge of cleaning the bathrooms, I was going to be work harder and be smarter. So I always, you know, that never was a fear to me that because I'm a black female, that that was a negative. I always took that as a challenge and like, oh, well, it doesn't mean anything. It just means I have to work harder and I have to be smarter. So I go in the room thinking that I'm working harder and I'm smarter. So. I love it. Attitude. I like it. <laughs> 
and not in an arrogant way, but not by any means, but you know, I'm just not, I'm not afraid. That sounds like a great, um, segue to what the question that I have for you, because that was a great uh, inspirational and encouraging message to young people, <laughs> think smarter and work harder. Uh, so what are some words of encouragement or advice that you would like to give to the next generation of young adults that may be looking to embark on, not necessarily, I was going to say political career, but as you say, service to others? <laughs> well, I, 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 I think that this field I believe that God has people, his people everywhere, and his light has to shine everywhere, and God's light shines through us. So I believe that in this area of political work that we need Christian people, particularly women, uh, to, to have a place in a at the table and to have our voices heard. So I would encourage anyone who's interested in, in, in this area of service that, you know, do, do your research, find, there's so much work to be done. There's so many causes and a lot of good causes. It's like the scripture that talks about that the, the, you know, the vineyard is, I mean, that the field is plentiful, but the workers are few. And yes. so I think that in this place of, of, of policy, policies, where what you were saying, Cheryl, about not just voting for the, you know, your president, because here at the local level, I mean, I decide how much your garbage fee is going to be. So, uh, you know, if your street gets fixed, how, you know, working with the schools, how your school board's made up. So we yes. really, at the local level, I tell people all the time, you really, it's great to be involved in your state level and in the federal level, but you really, really need to understand that you are most affected by those at the local level because we set property taxes. Those are... you we decide how much property tax you're going to be going to be paying. So those are things that affect your everyday life. So I would say to anybody who's interested in doing this, back to your question, I'm sorry, is that uh, do your research, find an area where, where you uh, are interested in, because I believe that God matches your interests with your talents so that you're not like you're out of the water. You, that's why you can, wherever you are supposed to be, if you're flowing in that place where God has designed for you to be, that your interests and your talents are lined up together. And so if it's something that you're interested in, do research, talk to people. Most people are so excited and, you know, to even know a young person is interested in, in this field. So just talk to us. We're happy to, to, to talk to you and share, you know, the, the, pros and cons of things that we've been through, but just uh, do it because we need good Christian people in this field of policy making. Wow, you said set property taxes. I need to run for office in Bear County. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need yeah, to I'm only office. responsible for the city of Lyville. You I'm probably have get your tax bill and look at it. You have seven entities that, that you pay taxes to. And I'm only responsible for just about, about 4% of the, of your tax bill, about, about seven, about 55, 60% of it goes to your school district. And then the rest, uh, about 4% for us, for city of live Oak, we, we take to, uh, we take about 41 cents out of every hundred dollars to mm -hmm. operate our budget. So we are we we run a very tight ship here. Very tight. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I I I could probably run for office, but political office is too much digging deep. And I'm telling you, they found some bones that's buried because I ain't always been saved, y'all. Girl, no, they believe me now. And nobody, nobody has had nobody else has. You couldn't be in the political world, Cheryl. All they have to do is interview your professors at your college. <laughs> I know. I told you I was bad back in the day. Thank God for salvation. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, that's the ugly part of, well, one of the ugly parts of being in the political world that when you try to do or be a part of it, they dig deep. You know, they go back to kindergarten and preschool and, you know, they, they find out stuff about your parents and your auntie and your uncle and you know, and, I, and for some reason, all of that matters. <laughs> right. And it, and it really, uh, I mean, I'm sure that it has a place, I guess, depending on what the position is. But, uh, you know, everybody has a past. I tell everybody, you you dig and you, if you talk to the wrong, to the right person long enough, you may find out something and it may or may not be true. But I think that's because as people, we love that kind of gossipy kind yeah. of 
thing. And I, my daughter, she always teases me. She says, mom, you the least nosiest woman I know. I said, you, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not interested and I really don't care. So I just try to mind my own business. It takes all of my time and energy trying to see about me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go back to what you first said. What God has for you, he has for you. If Amen. For a person to be in that political arena, no matter what their past history is, that God has it for you, you will have it. Amen. I'm a witness for sure. Well, exactly. I'll say one other thing to Mayor Dennis. And my dad used to tell me this. Uh, your work will speak for itself and your work speaks for itself. Exactly. Yes, your work and service speaks for itself. Thank yes, you. Yes, I love that IKEA store. <laughs> oh, that's that's. Oh man, I could talk, I could talk another hour about about that because that it was it's a hundred and thirteen acres up there had been there for twenty. I mean, over thirty years. Town center coming. Town center coming. And so I kept saying to the city manager, when are we going to do something? He says, Mary, just be patient. Just be patient. And uh, we just kind of, you know, put it aside. And they reached out to us. And people were like, how did you get a Ikea in your little town? I said, wow. well, that's okay. Location, location, location. And so we, we, we you know, negotiated for about two years behind the scene. And Finally, we were able to uh, to announce it. And I know that when they called me and they said they want to meet you, Mary. I was like, why do you want to meet me? And they said they want to meet you. Well, anyway, I went to this secret meeting with them and everything. And they were so wonderful. And later, my manager told me, he said, Mary, they loved you. He said, they said you were so nice and made them feel so at home and comfortable and all of that. So uh, after we were able to work the numbers, because the first number they brought me, I said, no, <laughs> don't like the numbers. We want this, but not at the expense of, uh, you know, we've got to think about, you know, the citizens and how the long-term debt and all of that. So we they went back and they came to my number and uh, we got a super good deal. And we have Ikea, 150 jobs over there. And uh, we're super excited to have them there. And the closest store from the south southern border, so we get a lot of traffic from you know from the Mexico border and Laredo and all of those places. So it's pretty cool, pretty cool. So to all you listeners, if you ever come to Live Oak or if you ever come to San Antonio, right at the edge of San Antonio, is Live Oak, the city of Live Oak. Stop by that IKEA store. It is awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, everyone's welcome. <laughs> And stop by the mayor's office and tell her thank you. Oh, I'll probably be at Ikea. <laughs> Getting a meatball sandwich and some chocolate cake. Oh, yummy, yummy. Wow. Well, we don't want to hold you too much longer, but we're just happy that you uh, took time out of your busy schedule to stop by the island. And if no one has anything else, we want to say that you are always welcome at the island and we hope that you will come back. Yes, Amen. please do. Well, well I appreciate you all so much for the invitation. And my, another thing my daddy said, we there were five kids growing up and every day we had to be at the table for, you know, no matter what you were doing, you had to be home for dinner. And so we had to go around the table and say, what did you learn today? Or where did you learn today? And if he got to you and you said, daddy, I didn't learn anything today. He said, you went all day. You didn't learn anything. <laughs> so I always try to make a point to, to learn something. So, and that's one of the things he said is that no one has to be kind. So whenever they, they are, you appreciate it. So thank you all for your kindness and letting me be a part of your, your podcast today. And I really do, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, it's been great. I've had fun. Yay. It's just so beautiful to hear you say that because uh, just hearing you say those things, it's so many wonderful people that have sown into your life from your mother to your father to your mother-in-law. And when you say those things about your mother-in-law, a lot of people don't have great things to say about their mother-in-law, but that is so awesome the way you have honored her on the, this show. And I felt this, feel the same way about my mother-in-law who has passed on. It's just beautiful to hear, hear that. Yes, what a great honor to do that, especially at Women's History Month. Um, believe it or not, we all have a part in history. Ever house, big or small that is, but we all have a little part in it. So your mother-in-law paved the way for you. So she's in the history books. Yes, yes. I mean, all of us, we stand on the shoulders of so many that have come before, those who've held us up. And so 
I don't ever want to forget that. I, I think every month ought to be Women's Month. <laughs> I agree. Every day should be Women's Day. Because yeah. <laughs> you can't come here without a woman. <laughs> that's it. That's my daughter always says. That's right. That's one of her favorite Jane Brown songs. Uh, what you know? What would what the what would the world be without without us? But we have a special place, and I think that as women, as we stand up together to honor each other, to to lift each other up, uh, I think it it's going to be better. It's going to to be better. And I think right now, it's the last couple of years, I think it's been the year of the woman just about in every field. And so I tell the young girls, get out there while the water is stirred up and let's get going. Exactly. <laughs> this is exactly. not the time. Yes, for sure. We love you, Mayor Mary. Oh, I love y'all too. Uh, Beverly, I don't want to cut thank you, you off, for Beverly. Sharing with us. Yeah, were you gonna say something, Beverly? I don't want to cut you off. No, no, just thank you for sharing with us. It was delightful. Yeah. Oh, thank y'all again. I appreciate it. Thank you. And God bless you all. And uh happy women's month everywhere. Exactly. We love you, Mary. Thank love y'all too. All right, take okay. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Kitchen Island Tea. Chitter chatter, your feedback matters. Drop us a line because your chatter really does matter. We can be reached on all the top social media forums. Instagram, kitchen-island-tea. Email, kitchenislandtea at gmail.com. Twitter, at kitchen underscore tea. Facebook, Kitchen Island Tea. We look forward to hearing from you. And we are back at the island, and that interview was awesome with Mayor Mary Dennis of Live Oak, Texas. We love you, Mary. Yes, Thank you. yes. Thank you for taking time out to come and visit us and enlighten us and share your story. It's so interesting that she's five term as a mayor, and that's like unheard of. And it's she's been a mayor of Live Oak since 2010. And not only five term, but she has not been opposed by anybody wow. else. So that means, and she was the first African-American mayor first African-American female mayor. And because she hasn't been opposed all these five years, that means that people are happy in that town on which she is now the mayor of. And she's doing an excellent job. Excellent. She is. I mean, her constituents are satisfied because she has grown that city. She has made that city just blossom. They have restaurants. They have hotels. There's so much activity in Live Oak now that you didn't see before. And I haven't only been here 18 years, but even before that, people were saying it was kind of boring and you could go down one of the main streets and not see anything. And she's just, she and her group or committee have turned that all around. So I say kudos to her, especially for Women's History Month. She's made big history. Yes, she has. She is she is living out the history right now. And I'm, I'm sure some of us, um, well, all of us have women in our lives that are making history as we speak. And um, I want to give a shout out to Cheryl, who made history at um, our church, Mount Zion First Baptist Church, as being the first female minister at our, at our church. Yes, I think it was 132 years in existence. Yes. Oh, wow. Before you were... For me. And I yes. Guess that was just amazing when I, you know, decided that it, it was time or when God decided it was time. But I did, had no idea that they never had a female minister. That's crazy. I didn't know that because I seen female ministers preach, you know, at the church. So I just made this assumption yeah. that it was acceptable, you know, but I did not realize, you know, that... I was going to be the first one, that I was the first one. But you were the first to be ordained. Yes. And so that's a big step, too, because you can be a minister. Licensed. You can be licensed, but not ordained. And so that was a big step for a woman, especially in the, what would I call it, the, I don't want to say regular, but I can't think of the word right now, but the Baptist church, the old Baptist church and for them to 
accept and support a female being ordained in the church, that was just a phenomenal accomplishment. Wonderful. Yes. I give praises to God because it was definitely not my plan. <laughs> it was definitely his plan. And it was what they said, a hundred. when I said 130, 132 mm-hmm. years, and I said, there is no way a female has not had the desire or calling to preach. And they said, it's not that. We just were too afraid to step up and answer the call here at this church because like Mm -hmm. you said it's traditional black baptist church and that's Mm -hmm. something that they did not allow was female preachers wow that was one thing they did not allow because they believe like the bible said women should be silent in church but they quote that you know kind of sort of out of context Mm -hmm. um and i won't get into bible history on that but at any rate because your husband's the bible teacher yes he is he's the awesome (laughs) bible teacher But I didn't know. And when I accepted the calling, God said there were going to be more to come after you. And sure enough, Mm -hmm. there were more women Mm -hmm. that said, I've been calling. I want to do this also. I've been calling. I want to do Mm -hmm. this also. So we've had at least five other women Mm -hmm. uh, that have uh, accepted the calling at Mount Zion First Baptist Mm -hmm. Church since me. Wow. It's it's cool that like it. It took that long, but once you kind of like kicked the door open, there was like a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, a lot of you came in one after the other after that. It's awesome to see. Yes. Yes. Carrie. Carrie. Yes. Uh, Dr. Newton. Yeah. I know I'm saying names on the podcast. I hope that's okay. <laughs> uh, so it was several that came after me. And those that came after uh, followed your footsteps and made a really good impact on the community and the church. Yes. Um, and I'll just go on to say Reverend Carey just yes. moved all through the neighborhood and really let people know who Mount Zion was. And um, she is a Caucasian mm-hmm. minister in a traditional black African-American Baptist church. Yes. But the marriage was just beautiful. Yes. And the impact she made, like I said, in the neighborhood, in the church, with the children, mm-hmm. was exceptional. Yes. yes. We love you, Carrie. Oh, yes. yes. We love you, Carrie. <laughs> She's one of our islanders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So that's awesome. So let's move right into our attitude of gratitude. Who's first today? Hmm. 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 I, well, I'm looking I, at our co-host, but I'll go ahead. And <laughs> <laughs> he's acting shy as usual. As soon as we press the stop button, he's all partying and loud. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that uh, we're here today, gathered around the island, and everybody's smiling. Um, I'm grateful because my mom had a procedure and it went well. And, you know, God has just been with us because, uh, after we met last time, the next day, my spirit was just so low and so troubled and it seemed like so many things. And it felt like, uh, the day before the cold weather and the storms when we had all that Mm -hmm, snow, mm -hmm. I call it snowdemic. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I felt the same way and I'm like what's going to happen and uh, we had a lot of things happen in my mom's hometown at her old house and I was like how are we going to handle that and I'm here and then we had issues here but God took he didn't stop any of it from happening we had busted pipes in St. Louis and just different things but he took us through it and so my attitude of gratitude is just thank you for taking us through it Through it all. Through it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My attitude of gratitude also stems from Snowdemic. (laughs) We did get the pipes fixed. We got the hot water heater fixed. And now we're waiting to get the ceiling fixed. But I have to say, and a shout out to USAA, my insurance company. They have done such a fabulous job. We got the funds reimbursed already for the work that has to be done on the house and the work that has already been done uh, to the house. So that is what I'm grateful for is that the funds have already came. Everything has been approved. We just got to get the contractor schedule to, to, to complete the job. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a relief. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. It is a relief because when something like that happens and you're not expecting it, you go into this you know, fight or flight, you go into this fight mode, like, oh my goodness, I got to get all this stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, after that week 
of being in fight mode for the full mm-hmm. week. It's like your body was exhausted. Monday, I was, I just took the whole day off because I just needed to just detox from stress and sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it drains you. <laughs> yes, yeah. it mentally drains you because yeah. literally you're trying to make sure you're taken care of, your family's taken care of, and you get overwhelmed. So but hard. so my attitude of gratitude is that all of that damage that was done to my house is being repaired and the finances already have already been placed back uh, into our accounts for what we've already spent out. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good insurance company. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to USAA. If you are a member of military or you got a military family member, I would say call them and, yes. and, and use, utilize them because yes. they are excellent. We love them. We've been with them for 45 years. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, loyal customer. Very, very loyal. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, mine is, I'm, I'm thankful that I've been able to work this week. Uh, I've been thankful to have a job. Um, I was a little grumpy about it the first part of the week because I had all of last week <laughs> off. But, um, you know, I, you know, it's, I did take some time to reflect that it's nice to be able to have the flexibility to come out and visit family that I don't get to see very often, but still keep working. Um, I know that's not the situation for a lot of people and. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's rough and I'm just, I'm, I feel blessed that, you know, that I've been able to just kind of keep working through this week and the pandemic in general. I'm also very thankful that my mom was able to get a vaccine shot this week. Yes. Yes. The state rules in California are a little bit different than they are in Texas. So, um, my dad was able to get it because he's a couple years older and he's in the age range, but my mom was just under it and... Um, I don't know how they were able to get it, but my dad called a CVS and I'm like, yeah, we got a shot that's going to go bad and, you know, bring your wife out. And my mom was able to go get it. So that makes her automatically eligible for the second shot at the end of the month. So I'm really, really happy about that. Cause that means my parents and my grandmother who are like the people in my life that are like the most at risk have all gotten shots or are in the middle of getting shots. So I'm really thankful for that. That's wonderful. Big blessing. Yeah. That is. That is. And Beverly, you've been fully vaccinated also. Though. Yes. My second shot, it knocked me down for about 24 hours. But other than that, it's awesome. I'm just glad to have it. That's good. That's good. Cheryl, we're going to have to get you a vaccine, girl. Well, you know, I'm so young. young. I'm in my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it's going to be a while before I get on the list, you know, before I'm eligible (laughs) to get the shot. And far be it for me to want to skip the line because of all the elderly people that need it. (laughs) So, so, you know, says the one one that's been great for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I'm great. You just had my gray has a hat on right now (laughs) thanks to our friend that did the weave who was that now (laughs) (laughs) Jenkins yeah Miss Jenkins Miss Jenkins from our black history moment last time you said thanks to her huh thanks to her my gray hair has a hat on What is your attitude of gratitude? Oh my gosh, I can't narrow it down, y'all. Well, give us a couple, if it's that many. That's a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I can start talking about Chris again, and Mm. I don't want to blow his head up. He is awesome, though. I'll be okay. You can talk about him. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I was reflecting and thinking about when you were saying that you were kind of, not complaining about your job, but just... You know, it's hard when you're on vacation, then you go back to work. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get back in the groove. And so I understood him, you know, talking about that. But, you know, every time, and you probably didn't want to hear it, I'd be like, dude, at least you got a job. There's some people that are homeless. There's some people that don't get a paycheck. Some people that have to actually leave the house and go to work. Mm -hmm. So you're blessed with, you know, with a a job that you can work remotely and make um, a decent living. Mm -hmm. And so... um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm grateful that I have my, my children and they're doing well. And, you know, my family, um, my extended family, um, I'm grateful for you guys that you keep wanting to do the podcast. I know that sounds this weird. This is so <laughs> exciting, though. I love it. This me helps too. me to, you yeah. know, express myself and get my 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 issues out let's right, say that right right <laughs> because sometimes when you have a passion and someone else doesn't and that's okay 
But it feels like you guys have the passion as far as the podcast. And I'm grateful for that because I don't know if I could do this by myself. Well, I think it's you because you take on the bulk of being the director and the producer and the creative manager. But it so I'm the Tyler Perry of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sound the editor, Perry. <laughs> the sound engineer, the but snack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it makes us have the commitment. It helps us to have the commitment. Yes. Uh And so I'm excited about it. My mother is always, are we going to the podcast recording or taping today? (laughs) And then um, she never wants to speak on uh, on recording. But she listens. She listens. She listens. Yeah. I'm just excited that we're doing it for a second season. Mm -hmm. And um, we got big plans coming up. And um, I just hope we just keep doing it and keep making a difference in people's lives one episode at a time. With real talk at a time. <laughs> real talk about real issues. At the island. At the island. With real people. With real people. <laughs> Listen to you, Chris. Like Chris. Yeah, I'm getting warmed up to this. Oh, you're getting warmed up on your yes. last day. Oh, yes. Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Exactly. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know we can do this remotely, Chris. This is yes. True. That's I'm, true. I'm just not going to come visit in February again. <laughs> <laughs> Not to snowmageddon, huh? Yeah, snowmageddon. (laughs) That was crazy. That was crazy. So, well, if we don't have anything else, we are going to close down here. And we're going to... Chris, what you got for us? We're going to be grilling up some bratwurst after we're done. Y'all, Chris does the best (laughs) bratwurst ever. And I tell you, I've eaten a lot of bratwurst because my husband loves sausages. But Chris's bratwurst are the bomb. You ladies out there, Chris is handsome too. (laughs) Yes, well. (laughs) And you can reach us and let us know if you're looking. Hey, we can get you connected with Chris. Just when I stop getting nervous, I'm getting nervous again. He's training, guys. I don't know. I know what you're talking about. We love Chris, he's awesome. Yeah. So with that being said, y'all, we are going to say so long to Chris. We'll see you next time. Um, However long that may be. It may be soon. It may be later. But we have thoroughly enjoyed having you at the island. Yes. I appreciate you having me. It's been an experience. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a good one, though. I had a good time. That's good. That's good. So we are going to sign off. And I'm going to let Cheryl go first. Ciao, Bella. See you later, everybody. I know you hear me later. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. Adios, amigos and amigas. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.